Welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, Ironman champion, PhD in women's history, and founder and CEO of Feisty Media. I started this show because I wanted to cut through the BS of diet culture and fitness culture and actually learn from high achieving women at the top of their game who have figured out how to feel and perform their best at every stage of life. So I chat with experts, elite athletes, and leaders who have learned to succeed despite the massive gender data gap in exercise and medical science and product development. Every episode is filled with information, advice, and anecdotes that will help you fulfill your potential as an athlete, mom, leader, or business owner. And listen up. If you don't subscribe to our women's performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Hello, Feisties. Welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. I'm so glad you're here. And I am so thrilled to be able to introduce today's episode because I got to talk to one of my fave interviewers, Molly Herford, who is the host of the Business of Fitness Podcast, which is one of our Feisty Media podcasts. Um, And in this episode, Molly is actually interviewing me. So it is a crossover episode with the Business of Fitness podcast. If you like what you're hearing, if you are a business owner and in the fitness space um, and you want to hear more from that, head on over to your podcast app and subscribe right away to the Business of Fitness podcast. It is excellent and I mean it when I say that Molly is one of the best interviewers out there. So on today's episode, I got to talk about a lot of the things that I am super passionate about, which was really fun, and I so much appreciated the opportunity. So thank you, Molly. I got to talk about my own entrepreneurship journey, um, what we've been learning here at Feisty about creating the best online courses, how to make your social media content go viral, uh, all the things that I learned in the Yale School of Business Management course that I took earlier this year. Um, Molly's one of the first people that I even talked uh, to about that. So that was really fun. And also how to attend our new Feisty Business Accelerator in early January. Molly is a writer and podcaster, and she is in love with all things running and cycling. She's obsessed with getting more women into the endurance sports world, whether it's getting more girls on bikes with the Shred Girls book series that she wrote, or with the Business of Fitness podcast. She also recently launched Strong Girl Publishing and publishes books and content for girls written by women athletes. So Molly really is a super entrepreneur herself. And again, if you want to hear more from her, head over to the Business of Fitness podcast. But for now, thank you for listening and I hope you enjoy our conversation. All right, Sarah, welcome back to the Business of Fitness podcast. I realize you are now like officially by far the the most uh, common guest. I think you've been on like four times at this point, but that's it's important. So welcome back. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here, Molly. And thank you for the honor of being the most common repeat guest. (laughs) Repeat. That's the word I was going for. And I I love talking to you. I think you're like, you're like one of the best interviewers and I love our conversation. So very happy to be here. It's so much fun because I know you're so passionate about this entrepreneurial space, especially in the fitness industry, bringing more women, not just into sport as athletes, but into sport in just like every level of the industry. And I mean, it's been a wild season since the last time we had a catch up here. I mean, you launched the new Strong e-course. You were at Kona with doing a ton of watch the women stuff. You've been, you know, doing some continuing ed and you have the feisty business conference coming up. So much going on. Um, how the heck are you balancing it all? How are you keeping track of everything going on? There's also holiday merch. Oh my gosh, just so many things. <laughs> how did you know about the holiday merch? 
<laughs> very exciting. Um, no, I honestly, like it's been a wild season. You said wild season. I feel like that is the accurate description, even of like the growth we've seen in women's sports broadly, like women's sports, business, women's sports, being sh- media, you know, just like the general attention being spent on women's sports has grown in the last year exponentially. And I think we expect it to continue. So it's been super fun kind of like watching that, but also being part of it too, because that's the, like, that's the playground that we play in. So um, yeah, I think it's good. And to answer your actual question, it's honestly like, I have a good team. That's what it is. So, you know, it's like when you see, cause people ask, even, in, even in Kona itself, when we were at the Ironman world championship, people are asking, how are you doing? how are you doing all of this? I see you everywhere, right? Like we had a pop-up shop, we were hosting events, we were we were pumping out like four to six reels a day. We were, we were doing a pot, we did nine podcasts in seven days. And it's like, how are you doing this? It's like, well, I'm not doing it, right? There are, like, we had a team of eight in Kona and that's it, right? Is it's figuring out, okay, what needs to get done? Who's going to do what? Who's best at what? Divide and conquer. So that really mm-hmm. is the secret behind how we are doing this is that I have a great team who are working really hard, right? Yeah, yeah. And it seems like you've been really able to capitalize on different moments, right? You also launched the Feist, the newsletter that's kind of covering current women's sports stuff. So it really does seem like you have a really good finger on the pulse of what's happening and then what do we need to do as like almost the immediate like follow-up. Right. I love that you mentioned the feist because that really was a moment where we, you know, we are as a business, we were like in a place where we were developing products, right? Which means that we're investing a lot of money, which means that we're like spending money faster than we're making money, essentially, um, which is obviously a place you don't want to stay forever in a business. So like right in the middle of this moment where I'm thinking, okay, online courses are the next thing. We're going to invest all this money into it, putting so much team time into it. I'm like, oh, the women's sports world is growing. Like we just met, like we just talked about. And I think we need to act now on doing this new content strategy around the feist and the and the newsletter, essentially. And that's probably not going to bring in any money for a, a while. Right. So you have this, like that was a big decision for me. Is this like, are we going to put money into something? Do we have, do we have, I mean, I knew it was the right time and the right moment, but there's that risk involved. And so that's the piece where it's like, you have to use your instincts, right? Or like, this is the, this, I feel like I'm being a cliche about this is the moment. Like we need, we want our newsletter to be in there. We want to be one of the first, we want to be like covering women's sports from what I think people are going to look back and see as kind of the beginning of when we went from like 4% percent. We saw that recent report. I think we all saw it like 4% of media coverage being on women's sports um, in I forget what the time range was. Uh, it was definitely 2016, maybe even 2020, and then up to 15% now, you know? Yeah. So like, we want to be in there now. <laughs> so it's go time. Let's start a newsletter. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is just such an interesting thing because it's not always the perfect, you're so rarely going to have the perfect time to start something in terms of like actual, like, okay, here's the right time in the world to start this and the right time for me to start this based on what I have going on in my life. Um, that's exactly how I felt with Strong Girl Publishing this year too. Like mm. so much other stuff going on, definitely did not really have the time for it, but it felt like it was the right moment to do that. So here we are. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's an excellent point actually. And I did not know that. I didn't realize for you that that was the same kind of decision that you had made around, you know, strong girl publishing. Cause congratulations, by the way, that's amazing. <laughs> yeah. It just seemed like, you know, you're looking at Tour de France Femmes, you're looking at the excitement around Kona, you're looking at, you know, WNBA interest, all of this, like, it really feels like we're in this moment in time where like, now is the time to, to go, go hard on this stuff. Really. Um, I I agree. I often think like, yeah, exactly. Like I often think like entrepreneurship's like um, bike racing a little bit where you're like, you're like grinding away. You're doing the training. First of all, you're eating all the right things. You're like day in, day out grinding away, even in the race. Like let's say you're doing a longish road race. Like you're just, you're sitting in the pack. You're like the, you're pedaling, (laughs) right? You're pedaling, but actually like knowing like when, when is the moment you need to gear up or gear down if you're hitting it? Like when is the moment you need to shift gears in some way and just go? Like recognizing that can be the difference between winning and losing. So I think 
like, I think we're actually hitting on something really important here that like, you're really just preparing yourself for a moment where you need to hit go a lot of the time. Yes. A hundred percent. Um, Okay, so let's get into like the granular. The strong course just came out. Um, you know, it's been, you know, huge success so far. You know, this is like the second iteration of e-courses you've been doing. What have you learned since the last time we talked about e-courses? Were there any major changes? Have you like shifted how you're doing stuff? Or is it just like, oh, thank God, we know what we're doing a little bit more now and it's a little bit easier. <laughs> Yeah. So there is a little bit of that. Like the second time you build a course is going to be easier than the first time you build a course. But honestly, in terms of execution, especially in terms of what we do with the community that is taking the course together has been just this massive learning curve. So for example, with Fueled, we had we had expert sessions sprinkled throughout both of the cohorts of Fueled. Fueled was the first course that we did. Mm-hmm. And we found that people just didn't come like we would have we had sometimes you know 200 people say in a cohort and we'd have nine people on the expert call right i'm like okay this is something that people aren't that interested in you know that's fine so when we launched strong we had a really quote-unquote strong launch Uh, and (laughs) and a pretty big cohort in there for the first group and they we left the comments open on the course so they are like going through the course together. And at the beginning, it's great because you it allows for everyone who's taking the course together to talk to each other, right? The other thing it allows for is for them to just randomly ask questions all the time about things they are and are not understanding about the course. And we hadn't set up these expert sessions because last time that didn't go very well and people did not attend. So it was like, okay, you know, now. And so then I did like, and then what I did is like, brought the experts back in, had them go through the course, like go through some of the questions that were being asked in their sections of the course and then answering them, right? So that that was like one solution. I was was easily able to solve that problem. Um, So then in the second time, now we've had our second cohort going through strong. And what we did was have like a launch call with everybody who had just purchased the course. Like, so we do, you know, it's for sale, say for eight to 10 days. I think in this case, it was about for sale for about eight days. And then two day, a day or two after the sale ended, boom, like you can come to a meeting and meet everyone. You can meet your instructor. You can meet everyone who's on the course with you if you want to. And we also opened up a Facebook group for them to join and talk to each other. Right. And that actually was very well attended. Okay. <laughs> so, so like you can see, and this is just like, ran, we're randomly like trying things, you know, it's not, this isn't a plan. It's like, what, what are people actually going to respond to? People aren't actually able to tell you what they're going to respond to. So what we learned there was that like, actually we have to capitalize on the excitement of the, the folks who just purchased the course. They're keen to get started. They want to talk to someone, you know, they're maybe in there doing the first module. So, so that actually has gone so far <laughs> uh, quite a bit better in terms of how we create community around around the course itself. So that that's so that's one big learn for us. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think that's it's like the the faster you can get that community vibe going, the better for sure. Yeah. Uh, and for feisty, I love community vibe. Like I feel like that is really what we're about. So having people randomly like in a course talking to each other and then just like leaving them to their own devices was very against my kind of instincts um sometimes there's there's budget issues right like you can't just endlessly provide value but you know as much as we can we try to so just just figuring out like how to continue that yeah yeah were you nervous with the facebook group because i know like there have been other communities that have had like issues with facebook groups right like very quick like it sort of takes like one person being like a bit of a negative Nelly or something. And now suddenly you're in there moderating half, like spending half your time moderating. So it is definitely like, it's a decision. Like in this case, it's clearly a good decision, but it's definitely like a little scary. Right. So in this particular case with, I think there's, I think we sold this, this cohort has about 200 and 30, 40 people in it. And there's about just a little over 200 who now have joined the Facebook group. So it is kind of a closed environment. So I think so far we've managed to avoid that kind of thing. We have on all of our Facebook groups, we have a a no assholes rule, um, which is kind of like, yeah, like you can't, 
you're allowed to have differences of opinion, but you can't be calling someone names um, if they have a difference of opinion. When that tends to get unruly is in the bigger groups. So for example, our hit play, not pause group has, I think maybe 25,000 people in it. Yeah. And it does get, there's a lot of moderating involved um, and it does get unruly sometimes. And we do actually have to give people warnings or kick them out if they, yeah. you know, you have to kind of stay on top of that. It's like, it's not, you can have a difference of opinion, but you can't call someone a name in our group. No. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think you're right. The The smaller groups are definitely easier to, it takes away a lot of like the anonymity. Like when you have a group of 50,000, it's very easy to kind of feel very anonymous in it. But when it's 200, like you sort of know all of the, the key players for sure. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, love that. I'll tell you and, how it continues to go because, yeah. you know, <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> and I think like what's so important about this conversation is just that, you know, you did the first course, you could have just stayed that exact course and just been like, okay, maybe next time the expert talks will, you know, will go differently. And they very well could have. Mm-hmm. But I think it is so important to do this experimental, like what's going to actually provide the best experience. Right. Um, and you, you kind of alluded to something. That was a little bit like people don't necessarily know what they want till they're in it, because I think you could have asked everyone about that during the fueled course and said, like, do you want to hear from the experts? Do you want to have these like, you know, kind of town halls with the experts? And I guarantee most people would have been like, absolutely, I would definitely be there. And then you get nine people showing up. Yeah, exactly. No, exactly. And the other thing I'm keen to see is if now that we've had the sort of provided some momentum in this initial um, initial call and an ongoing support from the community, for the community, I mean, whether more people show up for the expert talk, which is kind of then like dotted into other community building things that are part of the, the value of the course. So um, I'm keen to see like now on our expert talks that we're going to have those same 50 people come um, to talk to you because the, the woman who is running the community, who's a coach has like a different skill set. She's a community builder, different skill set than the expert themselves. Right. So then that person comes in for a separate kind of event. So hopefully uh, we'll be able to have more people on our expert Q&As because it is very valuable for the people taking the course. Yeah, for sure. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedas. Hedas designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedas unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male-biased industry. Hedas have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedas has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes. Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. 
Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high quality protein like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've been taking amino acids for almost a year and in combination with eating quality protein and a couple other supplements, I have managed to turn the tides on age-related muscle loss, which starts at 30 for women, by the way, and I have continued to make strength gains as I head towards 50. AminoCo has been a longtime sponsor of Feisty Media and has supported all of our brands and podcasts over the years. I recommend starting with AminoCo Perform, and you can grab some at aminoco.com forward slash performance. If you enter the code performance, you will save 30% and receive a free gift if it is your first purchase. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. That's aminoco.com forward slash performance and use the code performance to save 30%. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule, how much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY, F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. Okay, so switching gears from the e-course virtual world to the in real life world. I mean, first of all, like, let's talk Kona here. How do you mentally, like, go from, you know, you're just online doing this e-course, you're very, like, deep in this, and then, boom, you're on a plane, you're in Hawaii, and, like, suddenly all of your attention has to be shifted to, like, in real life. Like, what's the difference as far as the community goes from the virtual world to the IRL? And how do you, oh, uh, how do you handle it? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I can give you a great answer to that question, um, but I do think that the switch from being mostly online and provide like talking to communities online, doing podcasts, you know, do, being virtual um, to real life is a very easy transition because what happens is, especially at a place like the Ironman World Championship, Feisty was sort of founded by like I was a triathlete. We have a lot of triathletes who are our employees and there's a lot of we're fairly well known um within the triathlon community so suddenly you're in a place and people are coming up to you and they're like hey i listened to this podcast actually i had several people come up and say i listened to the business of fitness i love it you know or like thanks celine gets the, you know who is the host of hit play not paused gets a lot of people people would come to our shop just to see celine you know there's a lot of there's a little celebrity 
<laughs> celebrity I status there. I know it's great, isn't it? Um, or or all of our triathlon content. So people just like year after year have seen us there too. So there's there's you get this positive in real life feedback that as a business owner is very like it helps keep me going for sure. For sure. Like it's the kind of thing that's like, thank you. Like honestly, one person telling me that in real life that they listened to a podcast and it affected them is is like amazing, right? You, yeah, you know this too, right? Oh yeah. Um, so that direction, pretty cool. Um, coming back, there's a big recovery window. Oh <laughs> so, my gosh, yeah. Yeah. So first we're like, you know, we're off of our feet, um, run off our feet working. So Essentially, like we finished our engagement in Kona on Sunday, on a Sunday, and we had some wrap up stuff to do for a couple of days. And then I gave everyone the rest of the week off. Um, and so they could, so they could recover. Um, and even then coming back to then we were building, I think we were, oh, selling the strong course after that was still, even after almost a full week off was still a bit rough for people I think but I think they're mostly recovering also I think all of us need a little needed a little space for our introverted sides so it's just something that's even if even the extroverts in the group needed a little <laughs> little introversion moment so I think there was like it's a balance right like we could not continue to be running around Kona doing 12 hour 14 hour work days for weeks on end that has to end and then you come back and do something a little bit more calm if you will yeah yeah okay have to ask as a you know former professional Ironman triathlete uh which recovery was harder recovery from this or recovery from actually racing it <laughs> oh good question I always like I kind of always make the joke that like it's really hard it's like really hard to watch an Ironman <laughs> you know or like when you um actually on race day when you get up at when you get up at four in the morning to go cover it you if you're racing you do not feel that fatigue Right. But for us, like come 10 o'clock in the morning, I'm like asleep at brunch, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like you'd also, you wouldn't be able to avoid, or at least I wouldn't pre-race nerves. Like, you know, you're not racing. Doesn't matter. I feel like I would still have that like gut, like, oh God, oh God, where's the porta potty line? Well, and well, yes, I, I, there is that. And I think this year we had it even more because essentially like, um, for for those who don't know, Ironman had decided like last year in Kona, we had a men's race on one day uh, or women's race on one day. Two days later, we had the men's race. Um, and then the town of Kona said, that's too much, it's too many Ironmans in one week. We can't, we don't, we don't want all these people here essentially. And so Ironman had to decide whether they were going to shove everybody back into one day or continue to give women their own day. So in order to make that decision, the men went and raced in Nice in France in September and so this was the first year that the women was only women racing at the Ironman World Championships in Kona. So we got the we had the whole stage. And so there was this nervous. I say we, like I'm just collectively hey, you're, you're including myself. Part of yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but so then I was definitely nervous of the need around the need to execute. Yeah. Right? Like the, the need burden the world of needs responsibility. To- Yes. Like for us, for example, like we're part of getting the world to watch. Like that was part of what I felt responsible for. Like, Hey, this is going to be amazing. Everybody watch this. Like raw, raw, the women, (laughs) the women are great. We can do it, you know, and the women themselves who are, who were there, there was a lot of talk ahead of time about how it was way too easy to qualify. Cause of course you have more slots than in previous years for the women. So of course people start saying it's too easy. Well, of course it's not too easy. It's really, really hard to qualify for an Ironman world championship. You have to be a great athlete. Um, and so all of those women who took their slots, like we just wanted the most amazing race. We wanted the pros to be able to put in an amazing race. We wanted them to be able to own the stage and the spotlight and like, just take it and run with it. And uh, like everybody absolutely did. <laughs> Right, which was what made it so incredible, and you could feel the excitement of that kind of rising during the week. So I think that, if anything, I was nervous about that, like that we needed to see a an amazing world class race in in a women's only environment. Yep, yep. And you sort of alluded to this before, like not only are you there in person doing activations, you're also posting all of these reels, doing all of this social media content because you're also covering it for the outside world. So the the question I'm I'm posing here is how do you make an event go viral? Like we spoke about this offline a couple of weeks ago and it's just such an interesting question because I mean that's basically what you were tasked with. 
right? Mm-hmm. Like how viral yeah. can you make this event go? So yeah. And it's a great question. Like, wouldn't it be amazing if I could just tell you like exactly yeah, yeah. how to make yeah. <laughs> Just follow these simple steps. And this is how you can make your content go viral. Um, and then everyone could have a great business. Uh, so, but, but there are steps and there are like what it is. It's like almost anything else. It's like sport too. Like there are steps you could take that make it more likely that you will go viral. Just like there's, you could train for a race that make it, and that makes it more likely that you'll have a good race. It's the same thing. Um, so I think like one thing is just plain, people don't want to know this necessarily, but it's just plain quantity, right? So if you are like, so when we went to pumping out, you know, we started with three pieces of content a day, starting mid-September. And then we went up to anywhere from four to six or seven um, in the t- like the two weeks before the race. And then through through the race, maybe a day or two after. Those were kind of our content goals and we definitely made some reels and stuff and sprinkled them in and made sure we had a whole content calendar of course but what you do is you get when you do that you get a lot of feedback really quickly right so if like people had if people didn't like educational reels if people didn't like quote cards if people didn't like didn't think we were funny (laughs) I mean who wouldn't think we were funny but (laughs) if they didn't then you like, then you know that immediately, like, can you know, you need to pivot because you've got, you've just got all of this content going out. So actually that's, I guess that's two things. So you're like putting out a bunch of quantity. You have to use the feedback immediately and be willing to pivot to it. Um, I think pivot based on the feedback that you get from the behind the scenes, like from the Instagram stats essentially, or whatever platform you're using. Um, And then I think also there are some things that we do know kind of work. So we use like a multi- approach so we had for example we we recorded the podcast live on youtube and people could come watch now realistically we were like you know there's maybe 20 30 people showing up on youtube commenting and i love those people like that's yeah they're you're you're serving the, the people who are the most interested in your content right like the kind of our immediate community like that's who's showing up there so it's like that's great then the podcast go out on the podcast feed the the reels are obviously going on Instagram. We had um, a newsletter. We had a daily newsletter. So if people forgot, if people somehow managed to forget they weren't online, we were here to remind you, you know? So it's like, not, like I think people think when we're talking about social media that they're going, to, they're going to overwhelm people, right? Like, oh, we're talking too much. We're saying we're being too loud or we're like, we don't want to like spam them, right? Like that's, There's no I think such that's, thing as spam on your yeah. feed. <laughs> well yeah this is it right like so it's if if you're making good content if people like your content like they're free to unfollow like they're they're very free right and if they're not which is is very unlikely most the most likely scenario is going to be that you're gaining followers if you create a lot of content then you know you're not spamming them so it's just like overcoming that fear of like just putting yourself out there again and again and again and again um Mm -hmm. so yeah we spammed people (laughs) That that would be on the list. Um, and then uh, what was my last one? Um, multiple things. Uh, and then I just think like, sorry, I lost my last point. <laughs> that is that is quite all right. No, I think okay. So wait, let's let me like let me like ref- refresh. Let's recap. So it was, yeah, let's recap. So first it was like make tons of content. Look at the stats and pivot when you need to. And then make, and also like make lots of content on different channels. So they're like reminded when they're seeing something, whatever. And then, oh, viral. See, I knew that would help. And then in terms of there are some things, if you try to make something go viral on Instagram or TikTok, like there are things that you can do that will help. Like there are trends that are already happening um, there and songs that are trending, um, jokes that are trending, right? Mm -hmm. So you can, if you know the platform really, really well, like if you hang if you hang out there yourself in the community that's watching the type of content, like if you're one of the people that's um, taking in the content, the type of content that you want to make, then you will know, like you'll know what's trending. And sometimes the um, algorithm can work for you on a trending audio um, or on a trending joke. So those are some of the things we tried to also 
plug into when we could. Like we take like a triathlon twist on a joke that's already happening. And that worked for us um, a few times as well. And that tends to work for a younger audience too. Like the younger millennials and Gen Z will be more involved in that conversation online. Yeah. I do think that does bring up though, a bit of like authenticity. And I talked about this with you in our first ever episode. You love doing like goofy reels. Like Mm -hmm. this is a thing that you genuinely enjoy. If I I recall. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think like, not everyone is going to naturally be great at that. And it's probably going to come across. So I think that's where the team aspect comes in, where it's like, you know, like I am not great at videos. Like it is just not something I am. I don't like it. I'm not good at it. I can't do the like funny trends. I have no patience for it. So I don't do it. I would love to find someone who could do it for me. Um, But that's a whole other conversation. But I do think like you can't fake your way with that kind of stuff. Yeah, I and I and you shouldn't. And if you're a team of one like you are, like it's really about if you are onto something there, like you're like, I don't like to do that, I don't enjoy it, right? But we know that you are an excellent writer, for example, right? So if you need a podcast, I'm I'm gonna use you as an example now. I'm sure that you know all of this, but just for the sake of it, like if you recorded a podcast and wrote something on a similar topic, you would have so much content there in there to make reels with Mm -hmm. or to make quote cards or to make um sort of some condensed informational type of like carousel posts Uh, so I think like one of the some of the stuff that went like mini viral for us like the like 10,000 to 20,000 views uh, which is still like a ton of people outside of our immediate immediate followers seeing our stuff was just like a quote from a podcast that was just put onto a video right of like so we had one about comfort level in the in the ocean because a lot of people aren't used to swimming in the open ocean and it was advice that a coach had given on one of our podcasts so we had this video of (laughs) kelly o'mara swimming out into the ocean and flipping over onto her back and just like enjoying (laughs) and then over top of that video we put just the quote but you could use another you know it could be like a video that you have of you riding your bike and then you have whatever content you need on top of that about making your dreams come true or whatever it is. Right. So I think um, there are definitely ways to think about like, how can I make several pieces of content out of like what I already have and the things I'm good at? hundred percent. Yeah. Love that. As a lifelong runner and triathlete turned CrossFitter, I am stoked to announce that the athletic eyewear brand Tofosi Optics has joined us as a partner here at Feisty Media. Tofosi sports glasses hit all the marks for athletes. They're shatterproof poly bicarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance, which I 100% need. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy the more you sweat, so they are secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in hot conditions. No matter what sport you do, Tofosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in Feisty Media to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at tofosioptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow, shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. 
And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match. And then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. We need to we need to shift gears once again because you just do so many different things. Um, so we've now talked about e courses in real life events, and now we're getting into furthering education. So like your PhD wasn't enough; you had to go do the women's leadership program at Yale. And I'm doing like really fancy hands here. Doing <laughs> um, <laughs> speaking of which, I think the only reason you had to recap all of those things about Iron Man was so you could show off your Halloween nails. My Halloween nails—they're a little here. outdated. Yeah, <laughs> I love it. I love it. But okay, okay. First of all, why? Why do this women's leadership program at Yale give us sort of the the background? Of like, what all went into it? How did you make this decision to do this? Yeah, I'm so glad you brought this up because I, you know, I haven't told many people <laughs> that I did this program. Like it was something I just kind of did. Like I know that I told you and I told you because there are things there's value that I got from it that I do want to share. So I'm very glad that you brought this up. But I do feel a little apologetic about like um being overly educated kind of <laughs> like it's like do I do I really need more education like, that's how I felt when I was making the decision like I don't need to be educated anymore I also don't I just yes. want to say this was <laughs> yes the answer is yes it's always so is... fun to do these <laughs> totally and so I like before I just like as I was deciding I was like I, oh sorry before I answer your question I wanted I also want to say like I don't think courses are are completely necessary for entrepreneurs all the time so this was a time when like I spent real money like I really invested in myself to take this course because I thought it was precisely what I needed but there are other times when I've thought about doing courses and decided no because I'm just going to learn the things in real life um which um anyway but because we were creating online courses and because I felt like I needed to really understand and develop my leadership skills as feisty grows I thought this is probably well placed for me so um, it was actually a women's leadership course um, and it was for business executives and you could just it is yell but you can just sign up <laughs> like you don't you know what I mean like <laughs> I wasn't specially chosen <laughs> <laughs> I just have to make that clear okay Sarah is not special everyone not, um, yeah to be clear I'm not special um, but I did yeah I did like I loved the course I loved the process of the course and it did really help me like it was um, exactly what I needed. I wanted to see how an organization like Yale was executing on online education because that's what we're doing. Um, and also I was able to develop my, well, I was able to feel more confident about my leadership skills through the course. Mm -hmm. So I'm glad that I did it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the leadership thing is is something that I always kind of shy away from personally. Like I just find, I think it's probably because I never want to have like a lot of employees. Uh, so I find it just very like, ah, no, no, no. Um, unless it's leadership of like my team of one, me. Uh, <laughs> but I mean, what what were you hoping to learn from it? And like, what was sort of, what were a couple of maybe the top takeaways? Like what problem were you trying to solve? Yeah. That's a great question because I, I, the problem I was trying to solve was exactly the problem I was able to solve, but I wasn't hundred percent sure that was going to happen when I went in. So I was, I recognized that I was starting to feel a little bit of imposter syndrome around like now being like the CEO of a growing company, right? I'm like, oh man, do I really know how to lead this team? Like, am I sure that my, like I have certain leadership instincts, if you will, that I was starting to question, like, and and I've had, I've been doing this long enough. I've been doing this for six years. So I'm like, are my instincts right? I've had enough 
problems. I've had enough challenges to actually question that. Is there something that I need to do or update or, you know, um, and so that's kind of what I really wanted to know. Um, And so essentially the course took me through these stages of, and it was, this was exactly what I needed was we, in the first couple of modules, we, we did the internal work of figuring out like what our values are, right. Which was like kind of cool. And like how our values, how we're applying those values to our businesses right now, or to, there was a lot of executives in there, people who were leading teams, but in a bigger company. Um, So we were like reflecting together about this. And then secondly, we had to do this really cool, this really cool, um, to call it project, where we sent 10 people this form where they had to tell us one, it was supposed to be three times. I let people do one to three because it, it was a three is a lot, but like a time when they saw us um, performing our best. <laughs> like, and so, and so getting this feedback back. So imagine like 10 people giving one to, that's a lot of examples of like, so it gives you this, 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 um, what you call it context for how people see you as a leader right mm-hmm. and how they when they see you performing their best and also it's because it's their perspective you're like under start to understand how you're adding value for people mm-hmm. right Ooh, um yeah and the interesting thing was that that the exercise we they, it was only positive like we didn't then also this was like this was part of the question that i had because for me i'm all about thinking about people that i'm working with as like they have leveraging people's strengths together to cre- to create like the best business possible right and so i really think that that's it like i'm not about criticism and criticism comes hard to me like it does it's not natural it's not my natural instinct to be like you're doing this thing wrong like i actually just don't even see it i kind of tend to think oh maybe we're in, maybe you're in the wrong direction how can we use your skills better right like so that's my instinct and so actually having you know, actually having an organization like Yale University's executive leadership course, show me the studies that are saying, yeah, actually, you're right. <laughs> actually, it was like very validating. You know, I remember one and this is it's like um, a bit self-perpetuating, really. But like where you where they did a study where they gave um, they gave a team, they split up this team and they gave the first group, they gave them only like constructive criticism quote unquote. Second one, they gave them five for their review. You know, they gave them five pieces of feedback. Four were positive. These are all the things they're doing great. One was like constructive criticism, right? And then another group where they gave them five pieces of positive feedback about their job and what they were doing. And the people that improved the most in their job performance was the group that got only positive feedback. Ooh. And Love the group it. that, yeah, even the group that got one piece of negative sandwich between like in, in, you know, you know, the sandwich thing, positive, yep. negative, positive yep. sandwiched in is like the, the, that group. All they could remember was the negative one when they were interviewed later. Yep. Yep. And I mean, I think I'm going to say, especially as women, like we tend to remember every tiny piece of criticism, whether it's like self-criticism or like something that like a teacher said to us when we were like seven, like it sticks. Whereas I can't tell you like the last nice thing someone said, like, because it just kind of usually goes in one ear and out the other. So I think that's so important. And like that works because then people lean into the stuff that they're actually good at, right? Like you don't really necessarily want an organization where everyone's working on fixing their weaknesses. You want something where everyone's playing to their strengths, right? Yeah. A hundred percent, hundred percent. So then, yeah. And then my, like my tendency tends to be to, um, to work with, and if people aren't being like, how can we challenge you more? Like, how can we develop? You're still developing skills and you're still like moving forward together, but you're not necessarily, it's not necessarily under this, this like fear of criticism, or it's not because you're pointing out something critical, which like, and again, it's comes, that doesn't come naturally to me. So I don't really know what that would even look like for me. Anyway, so then, so then we got this feedback. So first we had our values, then we got feedback about how, when we were performing best and we had to like correlate that and put it into like, okay, when am I pre- figure out like, when am I performing best? Like what we think obviously has a, um, like has a factor in there too. Right. And then we had to create strategies for our business in which we were like using our values, 
um, and leveraging the ways in which we were having the most impact on people um, in our leadership role. Uh, and so that was like, that was amazing and fascinating to me. Um, and I learned a lot about myself and it helped me really lean into some of those things. I was a little bit scared of leaning in. So for example, like my values were coming out as like uh, empathy. I value empathy. I'm listening to people. I'm collaborative. I love like hearing everybody else's ideas before I make a decision. Um, critical thinking was one, like I definitely like to, I like critical thinking. I like when someone brings me some like some different idea, you know, or like when we're just like parsing out like all the details of something that I love too. So like all of these things I was able to create into, okay, that's like, those are my values. This is how we're, this is how I'm already, I can hear from people that those are the things that they already like about um, the way that I'm running the business. And so I can lean into that more. So mm -hmm. that's why it helped me. Um, the, the other part I will, um, I would mention is what is that we had an entire module on innovation, which was mind blowing to me because we tend to think that innovation is an idea. Like you sit and you come up with an idea, but actually there's like several different ways to innovate and none of them have anything to do with having a new idea. Right. Ooh. So the closest to having a good idea would be connecting the dots on existing ideas that create a new idea you know? Um, but a lot of innovation in reality and business comes from, or in technology even, comes from a different way of creating systems. So if you change the way, for example, if you change the way your team communicates, so like in a positive way, if you innovate the communication stream, you can change the outcomes, right? Or you can innovate in outcome. Or if you change um, like the systems, like in terms of how you like in terms of how you're trying to get your new direction for the business in the first place so for example like so we looked into like how how we tend to network as individuals are you someone who has the same group of inner circle of three that you always talk to or are you someone who's out talking to lots of different people all the time right and if you're one maybe leaning into the other thing can bring new ideas back to your network or if you don't have a tight network like maybe going back to some of the people that you value the most from your bigger circle you know there were the, all of these different ways of like starting to create new ways of thinking about things that I was just I was blown away by Ooh, I like that a lot because I think that really lends itself to talking about you know as we're going to talk about the business accelerator here I think a lot of people think that you're right they need to come up with like the next great big idea rather than you know, maybe figuring out how to tweak something that already exists. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's that's going to be hugely, hugely helpful. So, you know, part of the nice thing is you have all of these new takeaways and you're heading to Endurance Exchange down in North Carolina in just a couple months. So January 4th and 5th, you're doing the Feisty Business Conference, which is sort of a offshoot of last year's Outspoken. Yeah. So do you want to give us the the who, what, when, where, why, how, all the all the fun stuff. Yeah, for sure. So we are, yeah, it is the day before the Endurance Exchange Conference, which is um, the like USA Triathlon's big conference for coaches, uh, for the industry, for athletes themselves. So we were there last year. There was probably about 500 people there. I'm expecting there to be more this year um, at that conference itself. And so we are providing an extra day beforehand for women who are running small businesses in the space, in particular coaches, because the feedback we got was that there are a lot of, there's a lack of female coaches mm -hmm. in probably every sport, but in this particular mm -hmm. case in triathlon and or cycling. I know that mm -hmm. um, USA Cycling is a, um, it's a partner for at this conference as well. Uh, and, but that the female coaches were having difficulty turning it into their full-time job. Yep. Um, just getting from that place where it's where they're, where they're perhaps coaching a handful of people after work to the place where they, and they want to make it their full-time job for a lot of them. Right. So mm -hmm. I think it's like, that is, I'd say that is like the core of the people we're trying to serve. Although there are other, you know, like you saw it outspoken, there's other people who have amazing businesses in the space and are trying to get it. A lot of solopreneurs, quote unquote, yep. who are trying to get to that next level. So for sure, those and are I mean the people. Coaching can also, you know, that can be like sports, psych, mental performance, uh, you know, even nutrition, dietitians, like all of that, yeah. basically, like any of those like 
like kind of that one-on-one coaching type thing. It doesn't have to just be, here's your training plan. There's so many different ways to like consider coaching. Um, so I think this is such a useful thing because you're right. Like that's, you know, a lot of what we hear on here is people are, they have clients, they have a, a couple things going, but like, what is that next, that next step? And what, you know, how do you make that jump? Mm-hmm. Um, which is really, it's both terrifying and also like genuinely difficult. Like, I think we're so tempted to say, oh, it's imposter syndrome and it's just fear-based and like, take the leap. But you're like, I mean, no, like a lot of these people, like we're not making enough money to just take that right. leap. And it's yeah. kind of crappy advice to just be like, well, you just do it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You just do what? Yeah. So like this is, and this is exactly the problems that we're hoping to help people solve. Like, so you'll be able to come to some of the workshops, for example, and like either if you don't have a website, learn what that means, how to do basic level SEO for your website. So people can find you on Google or like practical stuff like that. Or if you have a website, actually get a review from Catherine, who's on, um, who's a feisty core team member she'll be able to she reviews websites all the time she knows how to do this she can review it help update it help update the language the imagery etc to help you get more clients um so that that's just an example of like social media of course is another one um that we'll talk a lot about i think a lot of people are hesitant around social media how to do it if they're doing the right thing they Mm -hmm. don't see immediate results and then they're scared to put time into it um that kind of thing. I think we'll probably touch on podcasting and writing, like writing things that people will actually read. Um, Always helpful. Yes, yes. <laughs> Always helpful. Yeah. And then I definitely want to help people lean into that, like the side that we just talked about. Like you did say, like you did say, oh, um, it's imposter syndrome and just like, don't be scared, just go for the leap, which is like act true. But like actually going through a process of like, what does that mean? And what does that look like? And what does taking the leap mean? So like part of it is that practical stuff of like, okay, taking the leap does mean doing this for your website, like that, that's part of it. But then part of the answers are also doing the internal work, like to you have to do, you have to work at it to get uncomfortable with being or to be, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, it, it is again, I, I use sport a lot, but it is a lot like sport like and training you have to be comfortable with with being physically uncomfortable and I think for to start your own business you have to be comfortable with being mentally uncomfortable and with not knowing yeah right and there are things you can do to become more comfortable with that so I think that's some of the stuff that I'm hoping to help people with as well yeah yeah there's definitely ways to be smart about setting yourself up to succeed in it not just the like all right, I'm quitting the day job tomorrow and we're just hitting go. There's, we can work out a timeline and figure this out, make this actually happen. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, and so that you're ready when, like when Mm -hmm. the day comes. (laughs) Exactly, yeah. Now, do people have to be at Endurance Exchange in order to come? Or if they happen to be in North Carolina in the area and want to pop in, can they register? Yeah, Yeah, if you live near North Carolina, um, you can register at feistybusiness.com. You can register just for the accelerator. So I believe it's like one day and a little half day, you know, so it's not, it's not a huge long thing. So it is definitely, you should probably be within striking distance to make it worth your while, unless you want to come also on the USAT website uh, for endurance, or sorry, the endurance exchange website, you can buy a combined ticket too, and you get a little discount uh, for that. So if you are um, a triathlete or a cyclist or a coach, or if you're in that world, uh, definitely consider going to endurance exchange as well. Cause it's also valuable. Extreme. This is something we'll talk about at the business accelerator, but also it's very good for networking. 100%. That is networking is so important. And that's another thing that I'm going to cover at the, um, business accelerator is like, how did you networking well? Um, <laughs> Which is so convenient because then it starts the next day. So everyone will be like fresh in mind, like top of mind. And that'll be fantastic. You can practice. Yeah. With like 500 like-minded people. <laughs> yeah. I mean, honestly, it's it's amazing what those trade show type things can do. Like Interbike was the big cycling one. And, you know, I went to that a few times, like, and this is 15 years ago. That is still where the bulk of my contacts and cycling came from is just like that one weekend in Vegas. I saw you at Sea Otter this year, yeah, right? Because yeah. we're all trying to figure out what's, what, uh, what the new interbike, interbike. Yeah. 
yeah. Same, same type of thing. Like exactly, you know, yeah. making contacts. And sometimes the first year, I'll just say one thing here is like sometimes the, the first year is like not the year. You know, like if you don't feel bad if you walk away without any contacts if you're like I felt a little scared to start conversations I didn't want to you know that's okay like my experience has been that it's a multi-year build um into knowing the right people and the right and getting the right contacts but it it can it it, it happens it, it happens for it happened for me it can happen mm-hmm. well like I say I think it's genius that you're doing this the day prior so at least people will have had like made like a few friends Mm. Uh, heading into it, right? It's a lot easier, I find, to like network if you're walking around with someone else uh, mm-hmm. versus when it's it's just you. So maybe that's actually like our number one pro tip here is like if, if you can bring a friend or like even just find some one person to like start your wandering around with, I feel like that is just such a huge help. I love that. That's another great reason to come to the to business accelerator ahead of make time. a friend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> make a friend. Make lots of friends. Yeah. yeah. Oh, amazing. Okay. So that's at feistybusiness.com. Mm-hmm. Okay. Perfect. So everyone should definitely go check that out. Sarah, as always, this was such a pleasure. Where can everyone find, follow, listen to you and all the other fun feisty stuff? I mean, we don't have time to read off like literally everything, but highlights. <laughs> highlights. I was, as you were asking the question, I was like, oh, what should I say? <laughs> um, yeah. I think right now we're, we're super focused on uh, women's sports through the feisty newsletter um and you know we're going into an olympic games here in 2024 so definitely definitely follow feisty underscore media uh on instagram and if you and then if you're interested in the other things or if you're in menopause perimenopause want to follow that or if you're a triathlete or a cyclist you can find everything you need from there um so that i'm sarah at sarah.gross on instagram i think i i think i changed my um name to feisty ceo at some point um, so yeah, if you search up feisty CEO or my name, you'll find me there. Pretty fun. And then our website is livefeisty.com. Amazing. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah. This was as always a pleasure. Thanks, Molly. Mm-hmm.